Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning, Crossroads. Hey, before we get into uh, the sermon today, uh, in texting with Pastor Marcus on Friday, uh, in light of the Supreme Court ruling, uh, we felt that we needed to address it uh, as a pastoral staff. Uh, Obviously, this is a decision that we celebrate. Uh, The ruling does not end abortion. Uh, What it does says that there is no constitutional right to an abortion, and it returns that decision to the states and to the legislature, which is where it belongs. And so it doesn't end the battle. It changes the nature of it. Uh, And so as a church, uh, we want to stay engaged in that battle. Uh, And for us, we believe in both being pro-life and pro-love. We want to be pro-life in policy and action and pro-love in our actions. Uh, And so on that front, we want to continue to partner with several of our uh, ministry partners who are on the front lines of this battle. Uh, It's places like PACN. Uh, which is a crisis pregnancy center, a pro-life pregnancy center uh, that provides care and counsel and resources for women who are dealing with unplanned pregnancies. Uh, We also have uh, a ministry called Journey Home uh, that provides housing and care for mothers that decide to keep their babies. Uh, Our our last one is right here at Crossroads, and that's Moses' Closet. Uh, and they provide resources and meet the needs of foster families. We know that uh, if, you're in the fo- if you're a foster family, you often find out last minute, and so we have resources available. But this is, this is one of those issues. It's not a political issue. It's a Bible issue. It's a gospel issue, and it gets to the very core uh, of the nature and character of God and the value that he has for all life. Uh, and so if you're interested, please reach out to us. We'd love to connect you with some of these ministry partners. Uh, But I also want to speak to a couple groups. Uh, If you've had an abortion, or maybe you're a man who has provided for somebody to have an abortion, I want you to know two things. Uh, The first is this, that your baby is alive with Jesus. And that grace and mercy can cover over that mistake. But know that he is alive, he or she is alive. And two, that there is forgiveness, grace, and mercy at the foot of the cross. There is no sin too egregious that God's grace and mercy won't come, overcome it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so if, if maybe you've made that decision and it's weighing on you or you need somebody to talk to, uh, please reach out to us. We have women that we would love to connect you with who would love to come alongside you to pray with you, to counsel you, to resource you. The second is if maybe you're dealing with an unexpected or unplanned pregnancy, uh, we want you to know Uh, that it's absolutely worthwhile to choose life, but that we're also available to come alongside you, uh, to resource you, to to pray with you, to equip you, to counsel you, to help connect you to resources uh, that make that decision very viable. And so we want you to know that we're here to walk with you. And so we want to be involved with our ministry partners, but we also know that at the end of the day, it starts with prayer. And so we want to continue to pray for churches such as Crossroads that we would continue to be on the front lines extending compassion and care to mothers and children. We also want to pray for our ministry partners, uh, PACN in this instance, 
journey home in Moses' closet. They are doing uh, the Lord's work, and so we want to continue to pray for them for protection, for direction and guidance. Uh, and then lastly, or not quite lastly, but we want to pray for our legislators, that they would uh, uphold the value of life and the policies they support. Uh, but lastly, we want to pray for the other side, that those who don't, don't see the issue as we do, uh, we know that at the end of the day, this is a spiritual battle. We're not going to be able to argue people to our side. The Lord's got to change their hearts and minds, and so we want to pray for them. Uh, and so if you would, please, let's pray for a second. Father, uh, we love you. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, just for our Supreme Court justices uh, who stood for what is right, who stood for life. Uh, and Lord, we just pray that you would watch over them and protect them, that you would keep their families safe, Lord. Uh, Father, we pray uh, now as this, this battle continues, we know that it gets to the core of who you are, Lord. It gets to the core of you as creator, because you as creator are the only one who can place the value on a human life. And so, Lord, we pray uh, for our ministry partners, PACN, Journey Home, and Moses' Closet, that you would continue uh, to protect them, that you would continue to direct them, that you would continue to give them favor in the community. We pray for our men and women that we would engage in these ministries. Lord, we pray for our legislators that they would be men and women who stand for life, uh, who vote and support policies that, that protect life at its most vulnerable stages. Uh, and lastly, we pray for the other side, Lord, for those who don't understand, who don't agree. Lord, we pray that you would open their hearts and minds, that you would help them to see that their life is valuable as every life is valuable because it was made and it was created by you. And we say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wait. Y'all are getting a little uncomfortable, aren't you? Don't like waiting. I don't like waiting either, right? Whether it's waiting in silence for the pastor to start or Maybe you're like me and you check your watch while you're watching the, waiting for the microwave to go off. There's just something about waiting that gets us, right? Because things aren't moving fast enough. It means, feels like we're being passive. When we think of waiting, we think of uncomfortable situations like having to wait to get our driver's license renewed or having to wait in the ER for them to care for you. If you've driven in Houston, you've no doubt waited in traffic. If you've ever tried to make a left into the parking lot off of 242, you've waited a long time. But there's also times where waiting's good, such as waiting on the birth of a child, which for us, we had the blessing of going to the hospital twice as we were waiting on McKenzie. We go to be induced, and they did their whole thing. We stayed the night, uh, and nothing happens. And so they sent us home and said, you get to wait longer. But waiting on the birth of a child is absolutely worth it. Or maybe it's waiting on the promotion at work. There's times where waiting is good. And our psalm today is a psalm on God at work as we wait. It's one of my favorite psalms. It's a psalm that the Lord's used over and over in my life uh, to teach me a lesson that I don't like, and that's to wait. 
I don't like waiting because it feels passive, but waiting on the Lord is completely different. Uh, If you'll turn with me to Psalm 27, and David finishes that psalm by saying, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage, and wait for the Lord. But he begins it, not by talking about waiting, but by talking about God at work. In verse 1, he starts, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing that I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above all my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he finishes, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. Waiting. When I read that verse, there's a couple things that stick out. Strength and courage. As if waiting on the Lord builds strength and courage. I can remember as a single adult, this was a a verse that came up often as a lesson that the Lord kept trying to teach me, uh, praying for a wife. And I would come across this verse, and I hated every time I came across that word, wait. But in the waiting, it was worth it. Uh, I can remember, Marcus and I were on staff at another church together, and we were talking about that. And he said, what's the Lord telling you? And I said, every time I open the Bible, I see this word, wait. And his response was, well, it sounds like you got to wait, Doc. I can think back to last summer. We had just finished right around this time uh, interviewing with the personnel team and the exec team. And then what did the Lord say? Wait. See, waiting is hard because we, we want answers. We want to know. We want to be in control Right At the end of the day, we're all control freaks. We just go about it in different ways. 
And so we don't like to wait because it feels like we're not in control. It feels like we're being passive. But what David has in mind is the complete opposite of what we think, what we think of. You see, to wait on the Lord is to actively engage in life's challenges by looking to him with dependence and trust. Let me read that again. To wait on the Lord is to actively engage in life's challenges by looking to him with dependence and trust. You see, waiting's all about the source of our trust and confidence as we undergo trials. I don't know about y'all, but I'm loving our study in the Psalms. I, I love and I appreciate just the rawness that the psalmist has before God. It's often David, but not always. But he just shows us that we can be real before God. He, he recognizes his life's not perfect, uh, and he doesn't feel like he has to pretend that it is. He's willing to be honest and open before the Lord. He gives us a, a picture of how we can come to the Lord. We can be honest and open. We can tell him what we're thinking and feeling. You see, it's interesting because uh, in this psalm, in the Septuagint, uh, it tells us that David likely wrote this song Psalm before he was king and while he was exiled from the house because Saul and his men were looking to kill him. So he's dealing with people chasing after him, trying to take his life. And so Saul and his men would qualify because as we see in verses 2 and 12, they were violent evildoers intent on killing him. And look, we may not be all running for our lives and having people trying to kill us. Uh, at least I hope not. But we're all often dealing with something. Maybe it's a personal issue that you're waiting on God to heal you from something. Maybe it's a family issue and you're waiting on God to reconcile a relationship. Maybe it's a situation at work that just doesn't seem like it's working out. There's seasons where life is just hard. And my hope for you today is that you hear a message of hope and a message of love, a message that God's with you in the midst of the trial. Or maybe life's going great. It couldn't be any better. My hope, my prayer for you is that, yes, this is a sermon of hope, but that it's also a sermon that equips you that when life turns upside down. I mean, look at David. To this point, He's been cho chosen to be next in line as king, even though the current king doesn't know it. He's been invited to the palace. He's been given a place of favor at Saul's table. And now he's running for his life. You know, they say life comes at you fast, because it does. I've heard it said that you're either in a trial you're coming out of a trial or you're preparing for a trial. So whether we're going to experience the unexpected is not the question, but how are we going to respond? Where will we turn? Because waiting often reveals the source of our trust and confidence. You see, that's exactly what David's telling us. Waiting reveals the source of our trust and confidence. And David's trust and confidence was in God. Look at verse one. He says, the Lord 
in verse one here, that's, that's Jehovah. That's the covenant name of God. That's his self-existent eternal name. It's his proper name. It tells me that he is existent outside of space and time. He's existent outside of my personal situation and circumstances, but also that he's ever present with me in it. You see, because David doesn't just recognize God as Jehovah, as self-existent, but David knows God personally. Look at what he says. He says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. You see, David doesn't say that the Lord is a light. He doesn't even say that the Lord is the light, even though that would be theologically correct. He says he's my light. He says he's my salvation. He doesn't say that God is a salvation or that God is the salvation, which would also be correct. But he says he's my salvation. Do you notice the depth of the personal relationship? Do you notice how intimate that is? You see, David knows God personally and intimately. He's not just a light. He's David's personal light and salvation. He's David's personal stronghold. You see, waiting reveals the source of our trust and confidence. I, I love sports. If it were up to me at our house, uh, that's all we would watch. I haven't gotten Liz on board with that yet, so if y'all could please pray for me. We've got to work on that area of family discipleship. <laughs> but I don't just like watching the games. I love all the behind-the-scenes stuff, and I love listening to interviews with coaches and how they motivate their teams and how they equip their teams. You see, because good coaches know that in a big game, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your training. You don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your training. And so what good coaches do, they make the practices more demanding than the games. They want everything in practice to be perfect so that when you get in the game, you're no longer thinking about what you're supposed to do. You're just acting and reacting. And you see, it's the same way with God when we undergo trials. The reason we want to cultivate that deep personal relationship with God is because when the going gets tough, we got to know who God already is as he has revealed himself. Because notice what David says. He said, the Lord is. He doesn't say, the Lord was. He doesn't say, the Lord will be. He says, the Lord is. He's the eternal, eternally present, self-existent one. He's the one with us in the battle. He's the one with us in the trial. He's the one that knows what we're going through. You see, your situation and circumstance hasn't surprised God. But one of the ways we get through it is by knowing God before we get into the battle. Because the trial doesn't, the trial reveals the nature and the place of our trust and confidence in God. But you see, David doesn't just whitewash over the realities of life. Because he knows that trials can make us fearful. He even acknowledges that in verses one and three. You see, fear can come and dominate our life. 
uh, it can dominate our situation and circumstance. In fact, trials often expose our fears. We all know fear, right? There's arachnophobia, the fear of spiders. There's claustrophobia, the fear of tight spaces. There's acrophobia, the fear of heights. Find yourself identifying with any of those? Then there's always the old joke. People's number two fear is death, and their number one fear is public speaking. You know what that means? They'd rather be the guy in the casket than the guy giving the eulogy. According to an emotional wellness coach, the three biggest fears that hold people back in life, fear of failure, right? Afraid to take on something new because we don't know if we're going to exceed. The fear of not being good enough. The fear that we don't measure up. And the third one is the fear of disappointing others. You add that to the fear of the future, the fear of the unknown, and people can be fearful. But David doesn't close his eyes to his circumstances. He's not blind to it. He doesn't push it under the rug. He doesn't pretend that they aren't real. But he recognizes that God is. That God is bigger than any situation or circumstance we may go through. That he is eternally present, but he is also self-existent. You see, David has a deep understanding of God. That it's, it's not theory, It's not head knowledge. It's not because his parents told him so. It's a relational experience with God. David trusted God no matter how great the threat he faced because he knew that God was bigger than his problems and that he could have full confidence in him. And so waiting reveals the source of our confidence and trust. But it also is designed to deepen our worship and build our faith. Look at verse four. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I have asked of the Lord. How would you finish that sentence? Now, be honest. How would you finish that sentence? Now, we're not really set up for interaction here, so I'm going to answer for all of us. And if I'm honest, yeah, I, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. But I also want other things. I want the Lord to provide for my wants, not just my needs. I want him to answer me and give me the things I desire. And I'm not talking about the spiritual things, but I'm talking about the physical and the material things that I think I deserve. You see, we often finish that sentence with the temporal. But look at David's prayer that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. You see, to dwell, it's not a a flyby. It's not even a vacation, right? We spent the last week on vacation at my in-law's house. We came, we stayed, 
But then we left. We didn't dwell there. We stopped by for a few days. But to dwell is to take up residence. It's to move in. It's to unpack your things. It's to go into the pantry and help yourself. That's what it means to dwell. And if we look at Jesus, he came and he dwelled among us. He took up residence. He left heaven. He came down to earth. And then he went to the cross and died on our behalf that we might have the opportunity to dwell in heaven with God forever. And so he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And then he says I may, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I don't know about you guys, but when I hear gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, it just sounds a little weird as a guy. But that's something we talk about often around here. Do you find the Lord beautiful or do you just find him useful? Right? Is he beautiful or is he useful? And reading and studying in this psalm actually helped me out a bunch. Because, you see, to find the Lord useful and to find him beautiful are two different things. To, to find the Lord useful means that he's your cosmic ATM. Or he's your spiritual genie. He's there to, to give you what you need. It's transactional. Right? I need a little bit of money, I'll go take some more out. I need a little bit of money, I'll go take some more out. And I'm not necessarily concerned about anything I put back in. I come for my own benefit. God exists to suit my needs, to make me comfortable, to make me happy. You see, and it's all about me. But, but to find the Lord beautiful that means that we know and we celebrate the glory of God's character, but also the richness of his goodness and favor to his people. You see, we take the time and meditate and contemplate the wonder of God's grace. We think about it because it's not just a knowledge-based thing, once again. It's, it's an experiential thing because we've experienced the wonder of his grace through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's why that salvation moment or that salvation experience is, is so important because it gives us a stick in the ground, a stake in the ground that we can hang our hat on, that no matter what else, we can go back to and say, Lord, I've experienced you. I know you. Amen. And so when the world's going on around us and it doesn't make sense when life gets hard, we can come back to that and say, I've experienced his grace and mercy. And I can keep experiencing it. Because the hope in the prayer isn't that it's just a one-time thing, but that we learn to walk in obedience to him. You see, to know God more, we got to seek his will and guidance. In John 17, 3, Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know, may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, it's about knowing God. It's about deepening our worship. That's the purpose of our worship services here at Crossroads. That's the purpose of this room, is that 
through the songs we sing and through the preaching of God's word, that we would have a more clear, more beautiful picture of the nature and character of God, of his grace and mercy that we have experienced, that our gaze would be drawn upward to heaven, not on our situation and circumstances. You see, David's trust came from seeking God with all his heart. And as he went through a trial, it deepened his worship and it deepened his faith. It built his faith. Because as we said a minute ago, trials, trials prove where you, the source of your worship. And so we want to deepen our worship and build our faith. We wait on God. Because waiting also shows that we know who is in control. You see, those who trust in the Lord seek his guidance. They want to learn what pleases the Lord, right? You see, because what worship is, the, the true test of your worship is obedience. It's not a head knowledge. It's not a recitation of facts or a memorization of Bible verses, although those things are good. We want to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. But if our knowledge doesn't do, result in greater obedience, we're missing the point entirely. You see, one of the things the Lord is always doing is teaching. He teaches us about himself. He teaches us about ourselves. Right? And, and here's what happens. Is he teaches us about himself and he teaches us about ourselves. And what happens is that as we learn about those two things, we see the gap between who God is and who we are. And we know that that chasm was only bridged by the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so what we are trying to do as we grow spiritually is continue to shrink that chasm so that we become more and more intimately familiar with who God is and we start looking more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. You see, the goal isn't bigger heads, but it's greater obedience. That as God teaches us about himself, we have a sober understanding of who we are and our own shortcomings, and that it leads to greater worship, it leads to greater obedience, because God teaches us about himself, he teaches us about ourselves, but he also teaches us the way to eternal life. You see, and so David's desire, David's goal was to learn all that God had for him in this season of life. He wanted to know what God was trying to teach him. So often when we undergo a trial, right, the thought is, Lord, I just want to get out of this trial. Just fix it. Just get done with it. But God's with us in the trial. He's speaking to us in the trial. He's ministering to us in the trial. He's revealing himself to us. And so David wanted to learn all he could in that season. Don't miss what the Lord's trying to teach you as you undergo a trial. But it also prompted David about the future. Look at verse 13. David knew his future. He says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He knew his future. You see, life's hard. It's full of twists and turns. The only thing we can truly expect is the unexpected. As we said earlier, 
Waiting on the Lord builds our trust and confidence. Waiting on the Lord reveals the source of our trust and confidence. And it's not a passive act of giving up. It's about engaging and trusting God to be with you in your situation and circumstances. It's an acknowledge that he hasn't left you, but that he's ever present with you. You see, waiting's about worship. If you look at David's life, that's exactly what he did. If you look at David in this psalm, that's exactly what he does. He knew God experientially, not just facts about God, but he knew him and he engaged with him. Just look. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. He says, the one thing I have asked of the Lord. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry. Then he says, teach me your ways, Lord. You see, David engaged with the Lord. He trusted the Lord. He waited on the Lord to be the one that delivered him from his situation and circumstances. You see, there's something in us that wants a comfortable life. But if you ever think about it, those aren't the stories you share. You don't share the stories about how comfortable and easy life was. You share the ones where things didn't go quite as planned. You see, and when, when those stories have a spiritual tone to them, it's called the testimony. And there's two types of testimonies. There's how you came to know the Lord, which is always an adventure, even if you grew up in church. But there's also how you've seen the Lord work and move once you come, become a believer, where God's showing off and telling you, this is who I am, and this is who I am for your life. You see, David wanted to know from God. He engaged with God, and he knew his future. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So David knew his future, and the question is, do you? See, God's given us a way to know him, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. And so maybe you've been struggling because you're going through a difficult time. And maybe part of the reason it's difficult is because you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to muscle up and look forward to the next treatment or the next solution. And what God's trying to do this is trying to get you to release and to wait on him and to ask him to move. You see, growing up, the gospel was often come to Jesus and he will make your life so much better. Better is a relative term, so I can't promise you that he's going to make your life better, but he will make your life purposeful and of value. He does give you a hope and a future. He may or may not remove the circumstances from you, but he will be there to walk with you through those trials and circumstances. And so, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you as we start singing to come pray with one of our pastors or Pastor Rick. 
we'd love to talk to you about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But maybe you've been dealing with challenges in life. And you know Jesus, but life is hard and you need prayer. We want to be a, a place that prays for one another. And so it would be our delight to pray with you. So if you're dealing with something, I want to also invite you to come forward in prayer. But as we finish, before we start singing, I want to invite you to spend just a minute sitting silently and waiting on the Lord. Let's bow our heads. thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are ever present and with us in our time of need. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that today would be their day of salvation. And Lord, if there's here people here struggling and they need hope, that they would turn to you, Lord. That they would see you and that you would build them and give them strength and confidence. Not in themselves, but in you. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.